Well, this morning we <coughs> we're starting a new series of teaching, and for the next following four Sundays, we're going to be looking at the one another's in the New Testament. And um, the purpose of this series is a twofold one. The first one was as a result of the conversations that arised last year when we had the teaching and the ministry of David Lawrence. And I don't know if you remember, but in the fourth session he was talking about this missional discipleship that is doable, is, can only happen when we have one another. So that is, that is one of the reasons why this is a response that those conversations just don't remain conversations, but we do something about it. And the second reason as well is that actually as a result of the conversations that we have had from the church weekend away and what has been going on in our lives and the life of this community of faith, I think there is this promptness for us to be looking to being mature in Christ. So, again, this kind of one another theme of series kind of is looking to fulfill that purpose. That if we want to mature in Christ, if we want to be presented before Christ, we, we need one another. And basically, the, the, the base passage of it is taken, or I've taken it from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the passage because I'd like for us to develop a little bit the one another themes. But the, the foundation of it is that moment when Paul talks about the body, the body of believers, the body of Christ. So let's open our Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we're going to be reading from verse uh, 12 to verse 27. And again, we're not going to touch as much exegetically on this passage, but this is the foundation. This is what we're going to have in minds when we talk about one another. This is going to be our springboard, so to say. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, we read, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would be not for that reason cease to be part of that body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would be not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. How many times is Paul saying this? The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. The parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need to be special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concerns for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So as we look into the One Another series, we're going to be looking at four different sides of this one another, and I know that we cannot do a favor to all of them, and I think if the common agreement is that we need to look more into this, I expect and I I, await feedback, we can look back into them in the coming um, year. But the first one is um, based on Romans 12.10, and it's about love and honor for each other. On the 25th of September, we're going to be talking about the encouragement and spurring on of each other, and we're going to be looking, what does it look like? What does this look like in the books of First and Second Thessalonians? So it's Paul's teaching on that. And then on the first Sunday of October, we've got the knowledge service, so we're going to be looking at the story and the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, with the children and the young people being part of the service. And then on the 9th of October, we're going to be looking at what does it mean for us to be praying for one another. And again, as I said, there are a lot of things that we, there, you know, I think all in all, it's 57 uh, times in the New Testament that the phrase one another is... Um, is mentioned. And what is, what is the outcome? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing, you know, to be honest, I'm really expecting God to work in us. I'm expecting for us to respond to his words, but also I'm expecting the practical outcomes because, again, we should move on from just talking about things and get on with it. Because being church is serious business. We are on holy ground, folks. So, today's focus is Romans chapter 12, verse 10. I think the whole passage of, from Romans, I think, 9 to 21, it talks about all these things that this group of Christians should do. But we're going to be focusing today only on Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 10. And basically, it says very simply... Love each other or one another with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. What does the NIV say? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Yep. Be devoted in brotherly love and, one, and honor one another above yourselves. Um, I don't know if you remember John Blanchard's definition of love last Sunday. I thought it was a very good one. So I had to listen to it this morning again 
and write it. And he was saying, on the light of, regardless of what somebody has done to you, you will act and speak about them in the way deliberately calculated to bring about greatest blessing for them and the highest good. It's a bit complicated, so I'll repeat again. Regardless of what that person, something good or bad, has done to you, you will act and speak about them in the way deliberately calculated to bring about their greatest blessing and their highest good. That's what love is. What about honouring? What does honouring mean? What does it mean in a 21st century Christian Western culture? What does it mean in the 21st century in an Eastern culture? What does it mean in a Mediterranean culture? What what is it that is honouring that is so special? And I've been trying to, 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 to think a little bit. And in some way, I think very roughly, I could define it as perhaps is something that you treat someone better than what he or she deserves. So, again, it goes on the same pattern as the love that you, you really act because you want the the greatest blessing and the highest good. But I want to take this honouring bit that you react or you, you, you deal or you treat someone better than what he or she deserves. But this is not the only place where we read about loving one another. Jesus very bluntly and very openly spoke to his disciples to love one another. And for some of us, this phrase is a very easy spoken phrase. Actually, if you think about it, it's quite simple. But the reality of the matter is that loving one another is a tough business. Especially when you bring that notion, when you bring that into practice in a group of people like us, like Cairns Road. When we all do our own thing, we all have our own personalities, we all have our own backgrounds, we all have our family upbringing and stories. So these things becomes very real. And yet, Jesus is teaching his disciples about this thing. Jesus, actually, is commanding his disciples that to love one another is very important. And what Jesus also, together with the apostles, is doing in the New Testament, is taking on the whole Shema of the whole Old Testament. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul, and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. 
which, in New Testament terms, John the Apostle, the Apostle of Love, says, well, the way this translates for me is that we cannot say that we love God if we do not love one another. And the way that we say that we love God is by loving one another. But let us not forget that Romans 12.10 is a designated verse for exactly the community of faith. This is not talking about the love for the world. This is not talking about love for the neighbours, which are not disputing that that should be the case. This is talking about loving one another in the community of faith. Thirteen times in the New Testament, we come up with the injunction, love one another. Around five times in the New Testament, we come up with the phrase, honour one another, or with the idea of honouring. So it is very clear that this is specifically addressed to a community of faith. And because it is addressed to a community of faith, it kind of indicates that there are some issues. That we need to learn and to address and to actually get on with loving one another. Now, some of you are saying, what are you going on about? Do you know of any situation that this is not the case? Do you know of any things that this is not the case? No, I'm not staying here as a judge I'm not staying here to, to disclose any information or uh, situation or anything. I haven't got any of that. And to be honest, I haven't got any person in mind when I say this. But what I've got in mind is that this is something that we have inherited as a package by becoming followers of Jesus Christ. This is a mark of our discipleship with Jesus. That in order for us to be followers of Jesus, we need to have evidence of showing that we love one another. The question that I've battled with this week is, what does that mean for us as a church? So, not looking at the whole idea of what we are not doing, but looking at the idea that what does that mean for us to, one, to love one another as a church? And what are those elements of our church family that we do that are an indicator, that are an evidence of this loving one another? And how are we going to, to encourage and affirm those things? What would our children say about are set up. What, are, what would our young people say about that setup? I think that has been the interesting question that I've been asking the last two, three days. If I was to ask Amelia, and haven't done that, I will ask her tomorrow. <laughs> but if I was to ask Amelia, do you think we at Cairns love one another? Or to bring it a little bit more specific, what does loving one another look like at Cairns? What would she say? I haven't got a clue. What would you say? 
I think when it comes to love, is giving things that are very precious, dear, sometimes non-negotiable to us, and giving them up for the other person. Isn't that what God did for us? Look at the love, says John, that God has lavished upon us, that we may be called children of God. And how did God do this? By giving the most precious thing that he had, his son Jesus. So this is the amazing thing. We were talking with the young people on Friday about the magnificence of God, this this great God. And he, in his magnificence, deals with his creation in a special way. Do you know why? Because he loves each and every one of you. And we are here We're gathered here as a response to that love that God has given us. But maybe you're here sitting today and you're saying, well, I have not experienced God's love. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, I have not experienced God's love for a long time. Maybe you're saying this, you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, if that was true, that God's love is experienced by the love that God's people have got for one another, well, if church did that very well, we would be in a different place today as God's people. And we can sit here and do all sorts of analysis of this case. But the truth of the matter is that, and this is unshakable, that God is love. And he loves each and every one of you. And therefore, when we come and we encounter Christ, we participate in that great love. And as a result of that participation, the automatic thing is that we all of a sudden become bearers of this God's love. And we need to be able to reflect it. We need to be able to infect others with the God's, God's love that we have experienced. So church, if we are questioning today whether we are experiencing God's love or not, I don't think we should contemplate with that idea. Because God's love is there. It's what do we do as a response of being there open wide, arms open wide for each and every one of us. So this is a practical issue because God's love is so important and we need, we need it as, as the stream to draw the source from in order for us to love one another. Otherwise, we can't do it. So where is the source of your love. Is it God's love? The second thing that we need to realize is that actually it's a command. When Paul is writing to people, when Jesus is talking to the people, he's saying, love 
one another. It's part of the daily formation of discipleship. It comes with our package. The moment when we say, I'm going to follow God. It's a command. Have a look at Romans 12, verse 1. And it says, I appeal you guys that by the mercies of God. And then you've got all those lovely verses. And then it comes, I appeal to you guys by the mercies of God that you love one another and you honour one another. But it's not only that. Some of you have got your heads down. It's not only that. Let's look at this in a way that actually, by us loving one another as a community of faith, practically, it becomes an opportunity for us to witness that the gospel of Jesus Christ is real. It's an opportunity for us to celebrate the fact that we are being transformed by God's love and that's why we're loving people. So when people say that question to, to, to Noah's Ark staff, why are you doing this looking after so many children? Or when the people say, why have you, as Cairns Road, open up your church to serve this cafe, this community and stuff that we're not doing because we want to look good? But we're doing it because we have been prompted by God's love. We have experienced that transformation of God's love and therefore we are being generous with it and we want for other people to experience that. So Cairns, this is an opportunity for us. This is an opportunity for you Personally, this is an opportunity for each and every one of us to look at the areas and saying, what is something, what is some person, what is someone that actually, brutally, honestly, I don't like the company of. But Jesus still commands me to love. Have you ever come across the phrase, I'm going to say to you something in love? (laughs) And they just explode a bomb in front of you. How many of us have been hurt by that? Quite a few, that's good. But it's that idea that sometimes we mean well, Sometimes we don't judge well and we say things. And this is not what Paul is, is challenging and is, is encouraging the readers or the church in Romans or us for that reason. It's something bigger. That you look at someone and you speak and you act about that person. I'll go back to that. You speak and act about the person in a way that is deliberately calculated to bring about their greatest blessing and highest good. So, 
We said that loving one another can be an issue. We said that it's a command. We said that it's an opportunity for us to witness the reality of the transformation work of the gospel in anybody's life. And the fourth point, and the last point, is that by us loving and honouring one another, it keeps us in line Caroline uses the word alignment. Calibrated. It keeps us calibrated, aligned with God's purpose to build his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven with people like you and like me. That is scary. That's so humbling. That by me showing love to one another and honouring you guys, somehow, in God's economy, keeps us in line with his purpose of building his kingdom. And that's what Jesus says. Love one another John 13:35 Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And what was the mandate that he gave his disciples? Go into the world, make more disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. What does Jesus pray in John 17? Father, I pray that your people, my disciples, may be one like I am one with you, so that the world may see that you have sent me, the Saviour for this world. It's serious business, church. It's serious business. And we have been embraced by this opportunity. We've been given this responsibility. We are going to be held accountable to God for this. And this is the place when we say we're going to choose to love one another and not follow the pattern that 1 Corinthians 12 says we don't need one another. No, if we pray, Lord, build your kingdom here, we are part of it. And there is not such a thing as a solitary Christian. There is not such a thing as a solitary Christian. We learn, we engage with our process of sanctification, becoming holier and holier, and becoming more and every day like Jesus, only in the community of faith. On our own, we're the best people that there are out there. It's when you come and you get annoyed by a blooming Albanian. That's when it becomes hard. But yet, God calls us to love one another and to honour one another. We're going to sing the final song. It has to do, we're not going to sing it now, but it has to do with God's kingdom coming.
And he says, come and set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we are made. Come, set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire, wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come and invade us now. We're going to be taking communion together. And again, what is there any better place for us to be reminded of God's love for us? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that love is for you here today. You may be sitting there and you saying, loving one another is tough. And I want to invite you and I want to acknowledge the fact that it is tough. But I want to invite you to be resourced in God's love that is there for you today. And perhaps you sit here and you're saying, I've never experienced that love and I want to do that. Could I t- talk to somebody about it? Yes. Could I pray about it? Yes. Could I ask someone to help me about it? Yes. Yes. 